Good morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Um, I'd like us, before we launch into the message, just to pray for the crew at Orange Crest. This is their last preview service. We have a bunch of people over there helping them. Um, and next week is their grand opening. The service this morning is wrapping up, probably right now. And um, what, what they're going to need over the next three or four weeks is they're going to need people to help them to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. They're going to need some people to pitch in and help with the kids group, but not, not us. So uh, the goal is over the next four weeks, as people begin to come around and get, get involved in the church, that they hop in and pitch in and help out with things. So you can be praying about that. My experience is as people come around, God begins to work in their hearts, they want to pitch in, they want to help with what's going on. And so we're praying that over the next few weeks, God would bring people around to help them accomplish what they're trying to do. Um, for those of you who don't know, we're starting a church in Orangecrest out of our congregation. Josh and Erica Delarosa and several others have gone uh, to plant uh, a church. in uh, Orangecrest is in Riverside. It's over toward Moreno Valley. And so they've gone to do that, and we're supporting them and doing what we can to help. That's going to be, uh, we're going to be sending a bunch of people over the next few weeks still. Um, but that's something to pray about. And also, we're grateful that they, the Lord's provided a worship leader for them. That was a, an unknown and didn't know how God was going to do that. He did. He, he, he did provide. And so we're really grateful for what God's done all along the way. God has um, provided and met needs, uh, both financially, it takes money to get the thing going, and with people, resources, he's put the people in the positions. I think the, the launch team, when they left here, was seven. Now they have a core group of almost 20, so they're, they're growing the core, and then there are others around who are checking out what it means to follow Christ, and there are others who are just trying to decide if this is where God wants them to plant their, themselves. So... Let's pray before we dive into the message for them. Father, we thank you for uh, what you're doing. We thank you for the rain, and we thank you for your goodness. You, you really are amazing, God. You're holy and pure, and yet you relate to us. You, you want to know us out of your love. You've made a way to get to us and to have a relationship with us. I thank you for the salvation that you bring in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I pray for... Uh, Orange Crest Community Church, the, the launch team and the core team that is pitching in, I pray that, God, you would really encourage them and strengthen them, and that over these next several weeks, you would add to their number that more and more people would come around that want to pitch in and help so that they could serve people and communicate your message, your message of salvation to the people around them in that area. And so, Father, we, we ask for your help in what they're doing. And we ask that those who are coming around who, who haven't yet committed themselves to you, I pray that, that things would begin to make sense, that you'd turn the light on in their hearts so that they could um, know you and walk with you and, and realize the, the fruit of that. Father, we ask uh, that you'd continue to work and that you'd bless and provide in the ways that uh, only you can as they start the ministry there. We ask for your help in this, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been digging in over the last several weeks, and then this week and next week is the last week in this series, but we've been digging into Ephesians 4 and 5. There are particularly a couple of chapters in the Bible that 
build on the first part of Ephesians, which talks about bigger ideas uh, about God, who we are as a as a church, and what God's trying to do in us and through us. And then these are very practical chapters. These things that we've been digging into, very very helpful in terms of finding out what God wants you to do with your life. He's given you your life. He's given me my life. This is my life. <laughs> no one else's. And you could say the same thing. He's given it to us, and we decide what we're going to do with it. We decide the choices that we make, whether or not we're going to follow God at all, whether or not we're going to do life the way that he wants us to. He, he gives us the choice. And our choices add up through the days and months and years. They add up, and we experience... Either the blessing that God intends or we struggle with life as we choose to go our own way. But what we found last week, we looked at my life in original copy. We found that we're writing an original story with our lives, that we make the choices, good or bad, and it's our story that we're writing. God's allowed us the freedom to choose what to do with the life he's given us. At the same time, those of us who've turned around and committed themselves to follow Christ, if if you're considering that, what's going to happen when you turn around from going your own way and decide to go God's way, he's going to make you his child. You're going to be one of his. He, he is going to uh, change your very identity. You're going to be a part of his family now. And you'll have a good relationship with your father, with God. Just like any other kid, any other child who has a good relationship with their parents, we imitate God to, because we, we want to be like him. He loves us. He's poured his love. He, he's been kind to us. And we really want to do the same in the way we live. And so we looked last week primarily at how God's love is the pattern that we trace into our relationships. He, he is the one that has loved us. He took the initiative to love us. And so out of that relationship now, we try to figure out how to love people the way that he's loved us. And that's what the core of life is really all about as a follower of Christ. You love God, and you love God by taking care of the people that he's made, the people that he has put around you. So that's one way we imitate God. We walk in love, live in love. We're to live a life filled of love. And that word live is uh, a way of saying in, in the Greek, which this was originally written in, the word live means to walk, uh, your, your pattern of living, the way that you go about things. It's to be characterized by love. Another characteristic of our walk is to be light. We're to live our life in the light. That's what we're looking at today. You know, light is pretty important. It helps you see things. Uh, it helps you know what's there in a dark room. You know, it, 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 you, you can be walking around and forget that something's in the floor. I don't know if you've ever done this. My wife did this on, on vacation a couple weeks ago. Uh, it was the night before we left. Somebody put a, a suitcase in the middle of the floor, and she walked into the dark room, was going to go open up the curtain, and hit the deck. We heard it in the other room, and she buried her knees into the carpet, which was just a very thin layer of carpet on concrete. And as she was 
I think Lindsay was sleeping in the room, and she, you know, woke her up, and we heard the crash, and so we went in there, and my kids were trying to keep from cracking up, but Cindy was trying to get over the pain, and then all of a sudden she started laughing because she could see the kids starting to snicker. But light really helps, you know, because you can see what's there. Without the light, what happens is there are things that bring you down that you trip over and stumble over, and boom, you hit the deck, and it's painful. It really hurts. You bury your knees in the concrete floor. That's no fun. What's the same in our lives spiritually? We, there are things we need to see. We need to be aware of what's going on. And we're going to dig into this passage and find out how important that is. Ephesians 5, 3 through 14. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. We, we are now, once you've committed your life to Christ, what happens is you become one of God's holy people. He, you, you don't make yourself holy. He makes you holy. He sets you apart. You're, another way of saying this is saint. You're a saint. And that only means that God has set you apart for his purpose and for his use. And so you don't do those things. There shouldn't be a hint of those things among you. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, greedy person, such a man as an idolater, we'll look at what this means later on, they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness. This is the centerpiece of the passage we're looking at right here. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, live as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible, and it's really helpful. This is why it is said Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. We're going to look at the major ideas in this passage. We're going to pull them out of there. Um, There's some very helpful stuff in here for living in the light, finding the blessing of God. Um, The big idea, as I mentioned uh, when I made the comment about the centerpiece, the big idea is that God's children are commanded to live as light. Once we were darkness, but now we're light in the Lord. God makes us light. We're to live as children. We have a new family name to live up to. We're God's children. We bear his name. If you bear the name of Christian, you're, you're one of his. And he, you have a new name to live up to, and you're to live as children of light. Lord has changed us from darkness to light. This is what happens when you come to Christ. The lights go on. Now you are light in the Lord. In Christ, he makes us glow in the dark. You know, it, and this is a spiritual reality that you have to get your, get your hands around. But as remember, we're living our lives. We're living out. We're we're writing this story. We're living this saga out in front of an eternal audience, as God and His angels, as they peer down and the the demons, 
The reality is when you come to Christ, he turns you into light in a spiritual sense. So as they're watching, they see the lights all over the world that have been turned on by Christ. They, they can see. That's what they're looking at. That's the picture here in this passage. It's, it's not just a, a metaphor <laughs> exactly, but it's a reality. Because when you come to Christ, he completely changes your identity. You become his child, you become God's child, and he makes you light. That, that begins to work its way into your life as you follow him, as you continue to cooperate with God. <clears throat> In this passage, you find out that darkness is the wrong. It's the stuff that's done in secret. It's often done in secret. Uh, you know, there are things that happen in, in the nighttime that don't happen in broad daylight. Just a lot of stuff goes on. A lot of shameful stuff. Two, three in the morning, things get rough. Maybe a little before that. In the darkness, things go on. This is, this is a description of that kind of life. Darkness is a description of the kind of life where it's hidden, secret, shameful. Light is the right. It's the stuff that's done out in the open. Ephesians 5, 13, 14 says, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. You turn a flashlight on in a dark room and you can see. You begin to see things. Like I went in the attic the other day. Up in the attic, I was looking for a cable. At a flashlight, I could see. Without it, couldn't see a thing. So light is, it makes things visible. It really helps. <clears throat> this is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. What he's saying here is, again, he's talking about what is going on spiritually in our lives. And he's saying that you need to follow, you need to choose to follow Christ for the lights to go on spiritually. We're dead spiritually, naturally, since when we decided to go our own way and not follow God, that cuts us off from knowing God personally. And that, that puts us in the darkness. We need God's help to turn the light on. So the picture here, what he's saying is, he's quoting a phrase from somewhere. And he says, wake up, O sleeper. You've been dead spiritually. You've been asleep spiritually. Wake up, and Christ will shine his light on you. This is what he's saying. When you come to Christ, you begin to look at life from a completely different angle. The lights go on. And if you're not aware of this happening, it, it can be discouraging. Somewhat. I mean, as you begin to see things from a different angle, there, there are a couple of ways that it can go wrong. One of the ways is you begin to see the darkness in yourself. You begin to see the wrong in you. And you have to realize, you know what? God loves you. He accepts you just like you are. He's, he takes you from where you are, the mess you've made, the struggles that you have, and he wants to make you different. And so as you <clears throat> as you begin to realize since the Holy Spirit lives in you and you begin to see things. Wow, I didn't realize that was a wrong thought or I didn't realize that was wrong to say that kind of thing or that attitude. You know, you begin to see the lights go on and you begin to see what's going on. And what God wants to do is he wants to help you begin to change these things. He doesn't turn the light on so you'll beat yourself to smithereens. He turns the light on so you'll want to change and be more like him. He accepts you. And out of his love and acceptance, you want to be different. So with Christ, the lights go on. Without him, the lights don't turn on. 
That's what this passage is saying. Without him, there, aren't, there, there is no light. But with him, we begin to see. We live as light then <clears throat> because we are light. We don't do the right things to become light. That's not how it is. We're not trying to become light or be light by the things we do. We are light. So we live in the light because of that fact, because of who God has made us to be and what he's done in us. Now you are light in the Lord, says in the passage. So since we are the light, <clears throat> or since we are light, we do the things that grow in the light. You know, there's, there's some things that just, you, I mean, fruit and greenery, trees, all the stuff that grows, you're going to find out I'm not a master gardener of anything as I talk about this, but you need light to grow stuff. you you got to have it. And when the light comes on in your heart, some fruit starts growing, and it describes it right here in verse 9. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So the light leads us to these things. It grows out of, it begins to grow out of us. You, you need light to grow this stuff. You can't manufacture it. You can't just work it up yourself, but as you walk with God and cooperate with him, these things start growing. First one is, the first thing is goodness. <clears throat> the light leads to goodness. Virtuous generosity is a good description of the Greek word here for goodness. And you need both of those things. You need virtue and generosity for it to, to as you grow, for it to be the fruit of light. Um, virtue without generosity can be nasty. You know, I'm such a good person, and you look down at, on the people around you. You become self-righteous. You're not generous. You're just trying to be virtuous. That can be pretty nasty. Not very fun to be around. But generous without virtue could be manipulative. You know, I'm going to give you all of this stuff, but there are some hidden agendas here. There are some things. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to... I'm going to do what I can for you, but here's the hidden agenda. In the light, there is no string attached. There is no hidden agenda. So goodness means that I'm virtuous, but I'm also setting out to benefit the people around me. <clears throat> I'm virtuous and generous at the same time. Righteousness means doing right by God and people. And if you really love God in Scripture, you find out that you care about the people he made. Jesus was asked what the number one commandment is one time. It came, he just he laid it out there to love God and to love people in Matthew 22. That's a, that's a summary of the entire Old Testament. Thirty-seven or uh oh, I can't remember how many books. Twenty-seven. Sixty-six minus twenty-seven. Anybody do the math? Thirty-something, right? This is a test. 30, 66, 20, 46, 7, 39. There's 39. <laughs> I don't do math a lot. I just use I use a calculator. Anyway, uh, 39 books summarized in two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love people like yourself. So that's what righteousness is all about when, when you... When you come to Christ, he turns the light on and you want to do right by God and you want to do right by the people around you. Truth. 
is a, another fruit that grows out of you when you walk with God. It's a fruit of the light, staying with the truth, tell the truth to people in a gracious way, be honest and open. Um, if you're living in the light, you have nothing to hide. If you find yourself wanting to hide something or wanting to keep a part of your life secret, you're in danger, particularly from people who are walking with the Lord. You find yourself going submarine with some of the stuff that you're doing. It's a very dangerous thing. That's not, that's not the life. We, we have a guideline here in church life that we commit to. It's a part of our covenant that we're to live an honest and open life. The reason is we want people to see, you know, you don't spill everything. You know, you just don't want to be transparent. There is such a thing as too much information. But you want the outside to match the inside. You want people to know what's really going on with you. And as they see what's going on, they can encourage you. You can have a real relationship with them, and, and they can support you right where you're at. Without that, you're in the darkness. Nobody can see what's going on. So it's important to live in the truth, to stay with the true, the honest and the open. These things are growing in us once Jesus turns the lights on. And living light means that you aim to please God. As these things are growing, you're trying to figure out, what, what is going to be pleasing to God? Verse 10 says that the fruit of light, we're to live as light, the fruit of light grows in us, and we find out what pleases the Lord. We aim to please God. The word find out, or the phrase find out, is, actually means test. We test out what pleases God. And that's how it works. You have situations, you have circumstances, you probably have some right now. God, I don't know what to do here. In this relationship, in this responsibility, I'm not quite sure how to move forward. What, what will please you? What is it that's going to make you happy? Out of gratitude to him, because we're his children, we want to try to figure out what pleases God. And that's how it works. You, you learn the truth, and then you test it out. You learn this. Scripture says, Psalm 119.105 says that the word is a lamp. The word of God, the scripture, the Bible is a lamp to, to light my path. And so as you begin to make choices and choose, you get into scripture, you soak it in and the lights come on. You begin to see what to do and you test it out. Am I am I getting this right, Lord? You take a step. This is what you say. And you test it and through experience. You learn what pleases the Lord. So after you've walked with God for years, you begin to. To grow and the fruit begins to mature in you. And he makes a tremendous difference in the way that you live your life as you walk in the light. So that's, that's a, a command really for us to live in the light as believers. The fact is that light does not participate at all with darkness. It's just a fact. They don't go together. Ephesians 5, 11, and 12 says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. The phrase, have nothing to do with, is a phrase that if you've, you've been around a while, you've probably heard in the scriptures, maybe, maybe you haven't, but fellowship is a word that means you share life together with other believers. We're commanded to have fellowship, to plug in, to get to know other believers who are going to lead us in the right direction. This is that word. Do not have fellowship 
with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Don't share company with those things. Do not participate in them. When you feel like you have stuff you want to do that you need to hide from your brothers and sisters in Christ, you're in a dangerous spot. It's the danger zone. Stay in the light. Have nothing to do with those. Do not participate or share company with those things, but rather expose them. This, the idea here in expose is not necessarily that you see some darkness going on and you shine the light in the eyes of the people who are doing it. You know, you're at work. You decide, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be light. And when I see something going on that's dark or wrong, boom, I'm going to turn the light on, blind them. People don't like that. They don't, they don't appreciate you shining the light in their face. That's not what's going on here. The idea is, as, as you live your life, and as your life is filled with the fruit of goodness, the light begins to fill the room. You don't have to shine it in their eyes. What you find is, when you follow Christ, you can't participate in some things any longer. You know, you may have some old friends who are still doing some, some darkness. And, you know, you don't have to shine the light in them, get all preachy, and say, you know, hey, what's wrong with you? That's nasty, virtuous, virtuosity. <laughs> Is that a word? Nasty virtuousness. I don't know. But that's, that's not what God wants. You don't have to do that. You don't have to shine the light in their eyes. You just say, you know what? I know I used to be in that. I used to do that kind of stuff. But I, I just can't do that anymore because I've decided to follow Christ. That's all you have to say. You know, I don't want to put you guys down. But I just can't go there anymore and do that. That's exposing the darkness. Light fills the room and you begin to see things as they, as they are. Most people who aren't following the Lord understand that. It's the ones that who are and want to play with the darkness that don't. You get bit by them. I've been bit a few times. Because they're convicted. Oh, here's somebody who's actually not living in the darkness who follows Christ. They feel better if, they're, if you're walking with them. So that's part of what happens. But, you, you know, you don't have to shine the light in their eyes. If God wants to do that, he'll do that. Let him do that. For it is shameful, going on with the passage, for it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. You know, there's stuff you shouldn't even talk about. Shouldn't think about it, talk about it. Shouldn't try to even describe the deeds of darkness. We see some stuff on movie and TV that we shouldn't participate with. We shouldn't even listen to it. You know, you're watching TV and all of a sudden something gross pops on. Oh, you've just been slimed. you got to watch that stuff. It's a choice not to get involved in the darkness. Because of our hearts and because of the world we live in, and this has been the case since he wrote this down, since God had Paul write this, um, this has been the case. It's a choice to stay out of the darkness and in the light. So what we have to do is we have to choose certain things to stay out of the darkness. Now, how do we do that? First of all, correct the desires of darkness. They're, they're going to be in you till the day you die, these desires. So you have to correct them. Ephesians 5.3. But among you, there must not be even a hint of some things. Don't even flirt with these things at all. Draw boundaries around these things and protect yourself from them because if you try to cross the boundary or if you cross the boundary, you get zapped like an electrified fence. 
So you respect the, 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 the boundary. If you don't recognize the boundary, you push past it, you get hurt by these things. So there should not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Again, we're his children. These things aren't proper for us. Those of us who follow Christ, we don't do these things. You need to identify it and run from it. Identify it, turn the light on it, and get out of there. Build in protective measures. Show some respect for the electricity that will hurt you. And reject these things. That's the idea here. Next, delete the words of darkness. Delete them. Get rid of them. Don't don't get involved in them. Don't participate in them either. Verse 4 says, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. This, this is how we hint around with darkness sometimes. We talk about it and we use words and we get in conversations that really are, are not right, that don't please God, they don't, they don't make him happy. So we, we skirt around and flirt with darkness through our words, these words of darkness. It says, stay away from obscenity, dishonorable things. Don't talk about dishonorable things, worthless, rotten stuff. It should not be mentioned. Foolish talk is silly, purposeless words. Avoid these by choosing the right goal for your words. I don't know about you, but when I just let my words fly, they come out like a sword. And they, if I just let myself go and I'm careless, they just start hurting people. It's not right. We've got to, we've got to choose a good purpose, the right goal for our words, and be careful with them. Coarse joking is literally, it literally means well-turned, is what that word means. So there are a couple of things that we turn our words to. One is vulgarity, and the other is cutting the people around us. Some people uh, can turn any phrase into a vulgar comment. You're just trying to have a conversation. You say something that be, could be taken a couple of ways, and they turn it into vulgarity. There's another way we turn. Somebody says something that hurts us. We pull the sword out, we hurt them. Then they say something back, and it gets worse, worse, worse off, worse off. I mean, we just start going at each other. We're sparring verbally. I read in a book this week that, and I think this is true, two indicators of a person's character are what makes him laugh and what makes him weep. I think that's true. That's what it's saying here. You've got, you got to watch the, the way you turn your words and what you do with your words. Don't get into vulgarity and don't put others down. Get into some kind of verbal war with them. Where you're just turning on each other and tearing each other up. Instead, replace these words with thanks to God. We're to live our lives with thanks out of gratitude to him. The final key to staying out of darkness is to choose friends from the light. 5 through 7 says, For this you can be sure no immoral impure or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, the word idolater, what he's saying here is these things are more important to you than God. This is the pattern of your life. And what he's saying is that if this is the pattern of your life, this is the way you live, you don't get in this way. (laughs) This is not how you become a child of God. This is not characteristic of my children. But the characteristics of my children are... The other things, they reject these things 
and choose to follow him. Let no one deceive you with empty words. I think what was happening here is that false teachers were coming along, and I know this was going on in the first century. False teachers were coming along and telling them, you know what, you can live. Jesus says, paid the price for your sins, so go ahead and sin. Go ahead and live this way. Paul's saying, no. If you have the light in you, it begins to work its way out in the way that you treat others, in the way that you handle your appetites and desires, in the way that you use your words. The light permeates your entire life and begins to change you from the inside out. So what he's saying is, don't let anybody deceive you with these empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. God is not just standing in heaven watching what's going on and saying, now, 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 boys. Come on, girls. Don't do that. These things anger God. You do not want to make him angry. As a person who follows him, you want to please the living God who made you and who bought you in the person of Jesus Christ. So we don't do that. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Your close heart friends need to be in the light. They need to be people of the light. I mean, we have friends that are close to us that still dabble in darkness, struggle with darkness. They're in the darkness. Maybe they don't know God. We need to be faithful to them. We need to show kindness and compassion to them. But your heart friends, you need to develop friends who are living in the light. This is because the people that your heart is tied to, they're the people that are going to take you in the direction they're going. And it's very hard to hang around the darkness and not be sucked into it. And so that's what he's saying. Do not partner with them. It's that same word. Do not fellowship with them. Don't get close and give your heart to people like that. Show kindness and compassion, grace and love. That's what God wants us to do. That's what God does to us. He puts up with us. And he accepts us. So we accept people, but our heart friends need to be people who are following him. When we turned to God, he accepted us, just like we were in Christ. And he made us light. And out of gratitude and joy, we're to walk as light. We don't, we don't, do, we don't say no to these things and yes to other things and try to develop this fruit to please God. We have it. And we walk in this way. We walk in the light because he has already made us delight in him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your acceptance and your grace and your kindness, your love that you pour into our hearts as we come to know you. Thank you for the freedom that we have to follow you. And God, it's a struggle. We struggle with things. Uh, the, the darkness is around us and there's some darkness in us still. But you're setting us free from that as we get into your truth and as we follow you and live life your way more and more, you're pleased, and we begin to experience the freedom that you offer. And I pray that as we set to live this week, as we set out to do life, I pray that you would you give us the strength we need to bear the fruit that pleases you in the way that we treat others, in the way that we handle our responsibilities. May you be honored and glorified, God. In your name, I pray. Amen.